Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Drew Pearson. You are listening to the Pearson Perspective. This is a deep dive into the stories and mindsets of successful business operators and investors. Let's go have some fun. Today is going to be a solo episode. Uh, I've got a little jitters, so forgive me, but I'm excited about this one. I'm going to be talking about uh, really my journey, the Pearson Partners journey, and how we got to First Stop Storage. I've done a few dozen interviews now, and essentially I'm going to be interviewing myself. So the same format as all our other shows, kind of how you got in this business, how you think about people and new investments, um, books that have been influential in how you think, and then advice you'd give yourself. So let's just kind of get started. You know, um, growing up, I was never the best in school. I was really kind of a B and C student. Um, I was never class president. I was actually fired from my first W-2 job. Um, so really a pretty average guy, um, I think, by all accounts. But one thing really stuck with me, which is if we buy real estate, own for a long enough period, a tenant or customer will pay off that real estate and we'll make a profit. I was never very smart, but that always made a lot of sense to me. And so really, I've been pulling on that thread for the last, I don't know, 15, 15, 18 years now, it seems like. Um, I graduated with a degree in economics from LSU in 2008, and it was really a terrible time to get started in real estate. Um, we had just kind of had the great financial uh, recession. Uh, we had a, a Democratic president in office, and, and most folks were just were not excited about the outlook of the economy. I had worked for a real estate developer in college for a couple of years, hoping to, to join him. And um, upon graduation, he said, Drew, you know, it's been great having you here, but we don't have a job for you. I don't know what to tell you. But go call this other guy in town. He, he's the manager at the largest commercial real estate uh, office here in the state. So I went to talk to Carl at uh, Ladder and Bloom in Baton Rouge. I think the interview was like three questions, and it was 20 minutes, and I got the job. And so that consisted of a phone, a desk, and a starting salary of zero. Okay, Drew, get to work, go build a book of business. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know anybody in commercial real estate. I didn't know anybody in Baton Rouge. I just graduated from LSU. So the first couple of years were tough. Um, I think I made $9,954 my first year out of college um, in 08. But over the next couple of years, um, worked hard, you know, put on my, my shiny leather shoes, knocked on a lot of doors, made a lot of cold calls, and ended up building a decent book of business. Ended up being one of the um, one of the top producing real estate brokers at the firm, selling close to $100 million of investment-grade single-tenant retail investments across the country. I think it was something like 15 or 18 states ended up selling property in. and So I was proud of that. Um, Brokerage was a good way to make a living, but it, it can be stressful, too, as real estate brokers know. Um, oftentimes, you feel like you're working your way out of a job every time you, you know, find an investor a new property. And so while it's great, you're also starting at zero every month, it seems. And more importantly, I was no closer to my dream, which was owning real estate. That was always why I got into being a commercial real estate broker. It wasn't just purely sales. It was to understand the business, understand the people, the players, and the politics so that I could one day 
make the leap. So right now it's about 2014-15. My wife has the opportunity to go uh, work in Michigan for a couple of years to complete some training. And we didn't have any kids at the time. And I said, hey, let's do it. Let's go on an adventure together. So we make the trip to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Again, I don't really have a job, but I saw somewhere in a trade publication there was a company named Promanis. They had just bought a $10 million warehouse. Like that, to me, was a huge deal at the time. And I said, man, who are these guys? What do they do? So I call them up and say, hey, I'm Drew. Um, I'm moving to town. I want to come work for you guys. I don't know what you do. I want to come work for you. So they say, okay, Drew, um, we have an extra desk. Come on. You can be head of acquisitions, starting salary of $0 again. It's kind of a reoccurring trend. And um, if you buy something, you'll get paid, and you'll learn a lot along the way. And I say, well, okay, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Let's do it. So I go um, start as head of acquisitions at Promanis, and it was really a foundational time in my life and my career. Um, both the company acted as a mentor to me and also the founder, John, and, and other people on his team. It really helped for me to understand the business of running real estate, how to manage assets across state lines, how to structure fund documents um, how to raise capital, how to market, how to report to investors, how to handle bad news, how to handle good news. Uh, so it was really just foundational um, in my understanding. It really helped form my my thesis of real estate, kind of our investment thesis of, of buying value real estate, understanding that we want to buy below replacement cost, which means if, if you build next door to us, it's going to cost you more because Construction, land, and materials are all higher today than it was when this was originally built. We want to lease to tenants at or below market rent. So in case they ever leave, we're not stuck with an asset we can't lease to somebody else. And then finally, we want to be in stable markets. You know, we don't have to be in um, the hottest, sexiest places in the world. But we just want to have an understanding of what drives real estate in this market, employment, economy, education systems, things of that, of that nature. And so, really, Ann Arbor was a foundational time in my career, and I'm so thankful for the opportunities I was given there. Um, while there, I think we bought another $100 million of office, retail, and industrial properties. So it was really um, just a great place to cut my teeth. In 2018, my wife and I moved back to Louisiana. Our family was growing. We had uh, one son and one on the way moved back home to Louisiana to be closer to family and the good times down here in the Bayou State. And so I hung up my own shingle, Pearson Partners. Um, we started off buying a single-tenant industrial building that was vacant. We got it kind of fixed up and leased to Exxon. Um, I bought another single-tenant company, another single-tenant industrial building to lease to Johnson Controls in Baton Rouge. I'd kind of been cold calling this guy for five years, and I, I think he was tired of me calling him. So... He, uh, he relented and sold it to us. We bought another medical office park next to the largest hospital here in the state and another single-tenant uh, medical deal in, in Mississippi. Things were going well, uh, and then COVID hit. In my business, like so many other businesses, everything just stopped. And it was a real literal come-to-Jesus moment, you know, as, Drew, do you have a real scalable business here, or do you simply have a hobby? Um, and when I looked in the mirror, I didn't really like the answers I, I was getting. I had uh, a, another child on the way at this point, and it was time to really get serious. Um, 
What are we going to do? What's the future look like? How are we going to build a team and have real processes to grow a business? So um, we got really serious. Uh, I built my own, and I say we, it was really just me at this point. Um, Pearson Partners consisted of one person right after COVID, and, um, you know, we had probably seven, $8 million of assets, but, but not a real business plan. So I really literally burned the boats, built my own proprietary database, um, cold, cold, a thousand plus storage owners, built relationships directly with them, spent a lot of money on websites, marketing, you know, really just saying this has got to work, Drew. We've got to commit and go all in. And that's one piece of advice I'd give a lot of people is is certain results are only going to happen when you commit. There is no halfway you can't do it 80% and get 50% of the results. Sometimes you have to go 100%. And that's what this time was like in my life. It was really all in, all day, every day. And um, thanks be to God, we, we really went on a tear. We we bought nine or ten existing storage businesses and one industrial asset in about 15, 16 months. Um, I was also hiring the team, so I hired a remote operations manager and along that same time, I built my own call center with three or four overseas employees. So I was also building out that system and team while closing on properties in two states. And these properties would consist of one to 300 tenants, oftentimes with no website, no credit card. You know, what in the hell is going on and, and why are you changing everything kind of mentality. So. You know, it was literally like running around with my hair on fire all day, every day for that first kind of year and a half. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot. It was stressful. I lost some hair. I gained some weight. It was hard. It was really hard. But that's part of it. That's part of growing a business. That's part of kind of crossing that chasm so that you can build that team, so that you can have some infrastructure in place to build those processes. And it's made all the difference. This show is brought to you by Pearson Partners, helping families create wealth through self-storage. Self-storage provides capital preservation, monthly income, and can lower your taxes. We have a team with over 60 years of self-storage experience, and we can help you. To find out more, go to our website, Pearson Partners PE, sign up for our newsletter, or listen to other of our podcasts. It's important for me that you understand how we think and view the world. And this is a great place to start. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. And so that's been kind of the, that was Pearson Partners. So we bought all these separate self-storage businesses. They were all individually brand, either by town name or what have you. All Everybody had different websites. And as we continued to grow, this, this started to become a problem. We needed some unification both for, for our team, for our investors, for our lenders. We all need to know what boat we're on and what direction we're rowing in. And so in 2022, we took large steps to unify the brand under first stop storage. It's now all under one website, one logo, same sign. If you go to any one of our locations, a customer will be asked the same five questions in order to quantify their needs when they want to move in. Um, Oh, we have the same branding across each store, fire engine, red doors, gray bodies, same sign. So we've really taken large strides to um, to build something unique. 
And look, when I say unique, we're renting metal boxes and rooms to people, okay? We're not putting people on the moon. But that said, you know, um, our vision is to become a world-class self-storage company that operates in small to middle towns across the southeast. Our vision is to honor God, treat team members like family, and serve our customers. All that's built upon our three core values. Our three core values are 1% better every day. We want to have a growth mindset, continuous improvement. Rock-solid integrity. Do what we say we're going to do. And finally, paint behind the parking poles. All of our, all of our facilities have uh, parking bollards or parking poles around the corners so that folks in trucks and trailers can't bump and damage the building. Each year in the spring when the weather turns nice, we paint those a nice yellow highlighter yellow to make it look fresh and crisp. And you can paint about seven-eighths of that pole, and no one sees that back one-eighth portion. But we know it's there, and we know we want to do it the right way the first time every time. And so that's why we paint behind the parking poles. The world has changed. You know, we spent a couple of years buying existing storage businesses, and we had a lot of success with that. A couple of things changed. Interest rates changed. Competitions changed. And uh, so we've had to kind of continue to to grow our skill sets, you know, to follow our our first core value of 1% better every day. And we're transitioning over to conversion projects. So we'll be looking for vacant 25,000 to 40,000 square foot um, basically boxes. Could be a car dealership, could be a grocery store, could be a furniture store. We're going to acquire those properties and then convert those to all to 100% climate control self-storage in these smaller markets where we've identified a need where maybe they have self-storage in the market, they just don't have climate control. And our data and, ex and experience has really shown us in these, especially southern markets where the humidity is sky high, um, there's really a lack of climate control in these markets. Our project size ranges between 2 and $5 million, and so that's a little bit too big for the mom and pop guy, especially if you're 60, you own a store, it has little to no debt. You're probably not interested in writing a two or three million dollar check and taking on a bunch of loans. It's also way too small for these large international or institutional investors who need to write a check size of ten million dollars or larger. So we want to play right in this kind of middle area of two to five million in these small to middle markets across the southeast. Um, you know, I've got four kids, and uh, I'm married with four kids, and being home for dinner every night is really important. And so, really, our target market is uh, about three to four hours from my house. I can leave at 6.30 in the morning, see who I need to see, and be back for dinner. That's really important. On top of that, we live in a very hurricane-prone area, and so we want to be north of I-10 most times. Insurances have doubled or tripled south of I-10 because of all the hurricanes. And so we're really getting out of those areas. It just it doesn't make sense. We can't pass on those costs to our customers. And all things being equal, I'd rather not deal with hurricanes. So that's really kind of who we are, where we're going, and um, and why, why we're choosing the markets that we're choosing. So how do we think about new investment opportunities? Um, I don't believe that real estate is location, location, location. I believe real estate is location and the price you pay. That's really what drives our returns. We are getting laser focused on 
our going-in basis because we know that the right purchase price will cover up a lot of mistakes. As Warren Buffett is famous for saying, price is my due diligence. And so we're really, really focused on that price. Um, but we certainly analyze all of our markets based on supply and demand, um, population growth or decline, uh, what our competitors are charging. We also look at how our competitors operate. It, when I call my competitors, do they pick the phone up? Are they actually in the office? You know, can we really outcompete these guys and beat them? And oftentimes we can. You know, we're not afraid to go up against REITs and big, pl- big guys, although they can spend more money on marketing than us. Well, we can really offer a great product. And because we're so uh, laser-focused on price, sometimes we can even undercut them just a hair on price and, and really compete in a strong way. Yeah, and that's really where I've spent the last 10 years or so of, of my mind thinking is, is really on the investing side, understanding what makes great real estate investments tick. But what, I have, what I've noticed is there's more to real estate investments than just the actual investments. You know, real estate doesn't run itself. People run real estate. And so really the last 18, 24 months, that's where I've been thinking, how do we build and grow teams? Um, what does that look like? What, what does culture look like? What's a good team look like? What's a bad team look like? And I don't have a lot of answers, to be really quite honest with you. You know, I haven't worked many, many W-2 jobs in my life. But I know some things that it doesn't look like. I know it's not just Margarita Fridays uh, and, hey, we're all happy here. I know that uh, people like to know what they're going to be doing when they show up to work every day. And most people like some semblance of consistency. They don't want to be running around all day with their hair on fire. That's what kind of entrepreneurs do. And that's why they start companies. But most people don't want to start companies. They want to know what they're doing. So they want some semblance of structure. That doesn't mean uh, micromanaging, but here are the lanes that we're asking you to operate in. I think people like lanes or barriers to know like here's here's what's going to be expected i think people like to know where the bar is what does success look like um and so that's really our job as as the president of the company to say here's where the bar is here's what success looks like and then rewarding when we get there or uh, maybe you know uh, gently correcting when we when we're off the mark and I do know through experience that the right people in the right seats makes all the difference. Um, I, I thank God every day for our team that we have here at First Stop Storage, our, our self-storage brand. We have over 65 years of combined self-storage operational experience on the team now, which is just, it blows my mind. I mean, the, the fact that um, our team really knows what they're doing and we are really driving results through monitoring key metrics through just that 1% better everyday type mentality. Um, I can't wait to see what we look like in five years. Um, you know, we're at almost a dozen locations today. It wouldn't surprise me if we were at close to 30 locations in three or four states. But more than the size of the numbers, it's it's operational efficiencies. You know, we're, we're working hard to cut the fat, out, wasted energy, wasted dollars. Um, and that's what really makes me happy. You know, we, we want to be uh, just a finely tuned machine that serves our customers well, that gives dignity to our employees, that uh, they have the opportunity to work for us. We have the opportunity to serve them. And that's really what excites me about First Stop Storage in the future. 
So I, I love to read. Um, I've been a really a big reader probably since I graduated college. I'm not sure I read a book in college or before. But something funny happens when you get to read because you want to read it, not because you have to read it. Um, one of the books that's had a big impact, and we've seen this on the show and other real estate guys, it sounds cheesy, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is a great book by Robert Kiyosaki. In really very simple terms, it lays out the beauty of owning real estate long term, what an asset is, what a liability is, how to think about cash flow. Um, and it's it's the best class I never took, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That along with um, Poor Richard's Almanac, Poor Charlie's Almanac about Charlie Munger, that's really been foundational into how I think about investing. But really, it goes into more of uh, business, how to be successful, how how to be a failure in business. You know, he, he likes to say, be unreliable, um, develop a drug problem, and you know, lie, cheat, or steal. Those are three guaranteed ways to be a failure. And so I think it's interesting to think about the negative. Let's avoid the negative so that we can just, you know, do something worthwhile with our lives. Good to Great by Jim Collins has just been foundational. He did a case study on um, a dozen or so businesses that outperformed the market and um, just really crystal clear thinking on on level five leadership, the Stockdale paradox, the hedgehog concept. I mean, these are just just beautiful principles on what it takes to run a business. And then finally, from the operational side, um, everything from the EOS library, operation, Entrepreneurial Operating System by Gina Wickman, um, Traction, Process, Rocket Fuel. These are all just fantastic books that help new business owners understand the different seats on the bus, what's going to be required, and how you go from we have a good or service, we can sell it a product, to how do we build a company? How do we hire and build a team to, s to sell this product to service our customers in a way where it doesn't all fall on one or two people? And so really EOS, while um, I'm not sure it's the best one out there, I'm also not sure there's a better one out there. It's, it's one heck of a system. Um, it's really our operational Bible. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of work through that system as we continue to grow and level up. And then so finally, to kind of wrap the show up, I always ask guests, what advice would you give yourself maybe 10 or 15 years ago? Um, and I, I would think I would say two things. One is just kind of trust the journey that you're on. Uh, for a long time in my life, I, I wanted to kind of get there quicker, just knowing that to, to achieve anything worthwhile, it takes a long time. It doesn't take one year. It doesn't take two years. It takes a long time. I'm reminded of the quote, um, we all think we can achieve more in one year, but often underestimate what we can achieve in 10. And I'm really a product of that. Um, you know, when I look back 10 years ago, I was 27 to where we are today. It's mind-blowing. To think where we'll be in 10 more years is, is really exciting. The second thing is really to um, to don't be don't be afraid to bet on yourself. You know, if we're constantly looking for other people to validate us, we're going to be disappointed. There comes a point in time where we need to take the leap. You've done the work, you've done the reading, you've you've talked to enough people. There's nothing else left to do but to take action. So take action. 
and that's different for everybody. But generally speaking, you know, two or three years of focusing on a subject, you need to get after it. Okay, it's time to start. Time to stop sitting on the sidelines and get after it. And then the third and final thing is relationships. Relationships are just so important. It's something that's become such a big focus on my day is building relationships, building trust. And that's really done through listening and learning and learning about the other person, not beating your chest saying what you've accomplished or what you want to do, but just listening. How can you add value to others and listening to their story? And I think to wrap up the show, I'm just so excited about the future. I'm excited about America We live in the greatest country in the world, even to this day, with whatever problems you think we may or may not have. We have a tax system that incentivizes ownership, growth, that incentivizes starting companies and owning assets. It is the greatest place to be born in. It's the greatest time to be around. And I'm so excited as we continue on this journey together to see what's next. I would really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you're listening or watching to this show. Thanks so much for joining us on this audio adventure. Let's go have some fun.